Well, I want to welcome all of you here to the seventh and final message of our Transformed series. How many of you guys have been enjoying this series so far? Well, good. That is great to hear. Hopefully your small groups are going well. We continue just to hear great stories coming back. And so, man, keep sending the stories to us. We love hearing about lives being changed. That's why we do what we do. That's why Church of the King is here, because we love seeing God impact people with his incredible love. And so, so far in this series, we've talked about six keys. We'll talk about our seventh key to living a fulfilling, health-filled life. We started off with our spiritual health, went to our physical health, talked about emotional and mental health, talked about our relational health. Last week, Pastor Steve did an incredible job of talking to us about our financial health. And if you weren't here, I encourage you to stop by, grab a CD, download the podcast, get the CD for a friend. As a matter of fact, if you were here, I'd get the CD anyway and listen to it again. It was that good. And then today what we're going to do, we're going to be talking about how to face and overcome the giants in your life how to face and overcome the giants in your life. And when you walk out of here today, this is what I want you to get. I want you to know, first of all, that God places dreams inside of all of our lives. And not only does he give us a dream, but he gives us the ability to overcome the giants or the barriers that attempt to get in our way. These giants are barriers, these dream busters that can tend to stand in front of us. They'll say things like this to you. You can't do this. You'll never be able to accomplish this. You don't have what it takes. Fortunately, we have a great story from the Bible that we're going to look at today that's going to help us understand the giants that are going to try to stand in our way, as well as how to overcome those giants. Now, depending, regardless of how long you've been in church, whether you were raised in church, you've been attending church all your life, or maybe this is the first time you've ever stepped into a church building, I think you're going to be familiar with the story we're going to talk about today. It's a story of David versus Goliath. It's a story of the underdog that overcomes impossible odds to walk out victorious, right? Now, for you guys maybe who are history buffs, you may, this story would ring a bell. Probably most of us in this room is it's the ragtag group of guys that pulled together as the American militia in the Revolutionary War to do what? To defeat the mighty British army and to establish what we know now as the United States of America. How about Steve Jobs? Steve Jobs, who's now his company all right, is, is the giant into the technology world, but that's not how it started. He started off with a dream that he wanted to make sure that everybody could have their own personal computer in their house, which at the time was kind of a foreign concept. And so he began to try to sell his, his computer to, to such giants at the time as Hewlett Packard, who kind of laughed him off and denied him. And guess what? Now they're all looking up to him. Or how about for all the sports fanatics out there? And I'm, I'm one of those. Regardless of your age, some of you guys remember reading about this. If you're like me, for some of you guys who are a little more experienced in life, you actually remember this when it really happened. Broadway Joe Namath. In Super Bowl three, his New York Jets were 22-point underdogs. And he stepped out and he made a, a pretty bold guarantee. He said, we're going to win the Super Bowl against the high-powered Baltimore Colts. If you guys are familiar with the story, they did exactly that. They won Super Bowl three, 16 to seven. To this day, it's still one of the greatest upsets in sports history. And regardless of your age, regardless of where you are in life, we're all familiar with this next one. And it's the story of the three little pigs, 
right? Yeah, you guys know who, who had to face the big bad wolf who tried to huff and puff and, come on, blow their house down, right? But when that big bad wolf ran into the brick house, he realized he wasn't going to be able to conquer that. And the three little pigs came out victorious. And all the kids are excited about that. So now what we're going to do is we're going to look at the real David versus Goliath story. We're going to look at the biblical account of how a 15-year-old faced the greatest warrior of his time. Not only how he faced and defeated the physical giant, but along the way, what were the different spiritual giants that David had to not only face, but overcome in order for, to fulfill the God-given dream that God placed inside of him? So let's go ahead. Let's jump into the story now. First Samuel chapter 17, and we're going to begin in verse 1. It says, Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war. The Philistines occupied one hill, and the Israelites another with the valley between them. So just, I want you guys to get a picture with me right now. One side, okay, on one mountain is the Israelites. On one side is the Philistines. Now I know if you're from Southern Louisiana, that's a little hard to imagine, but there's mountains and there's a valley in between. And so what would happen is they were camped. The camps were on either side. And then it said a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. And his height was six cubits and a span. That's about nine feet. Okay, so I'm, I'm about 6'1". With my hand up in the air, I'm about eight feet. So go another foot higher than that. And that's where his head was. This guy was big. So he had a bronze helmet on his head. And he wore a coat of scale armor, a bronze, weighing about 5,000 shekels. So just his armor weighed about 125 pounds. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves. And a bronze javelin was slung on his back. And his spear shaft was like a weaver's rod. And its iron point weighed about 600 shekels. It's about 15 pounds. So just the point of his spear weighed about 15 pounds. Hey, Goliath was a big, bad dude. Imagine that, nine feet tall, big and strong enough to have 125 pounds of armor on and carrying with the ability to accurately throw a spear with a 15-pound head on the end. Pretty impressive guy. And here shows up David, 15 years old. He's ready for a fight. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I was 15 years old, I weighed about 125 pounds soaking wet on a good day. I wasn't wasn't thin. I was skinny. That was a whole other level to what I was. I was so skinny, I had to put books in my backpack on a windy day to make sure I didn't blow away. I was skinny. But as you guys know, the story of David and Goliath, the scrawny teenager, he walks out faces this giant of a man over nine feet tall, intimidating these grown men in the Israelite army. And what does he do? He takes him down with a sling, a stone, and the power of God. Now, in this room today, I don't think any of us are actually going to have to go out and fight any physical giants, but we are going to have to fight spiritual giants in our lives. Spiritual giants that are going to get placed in our way, that are going to attempt to keep us from achieving and reaching the very dreams that God has placed inside of our hearts. So as we look at this story, we're going to have to find out, okay, once again, what are the giants and how do we overcome those? But before we get there, what I want to do is I want to point out a great verse that I want you to learn how to hold on to when you're facing these giants. It's in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, and it says this, It says, yet in all these things, everybody say all. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I love that verse because regardless of what situation you're facing, 
And you could walk up here, if I was having a conversation with some of you, and you could stand up here and you could just begin to tell me the challenges you're walking through right now. Man, my heart would go out to you because I understand those are real challenges. But at the same time, I'd point you to Romans 8, 37, and I'd say, you know what? In all things, in all things, we're more than conquerors. So God doesn't promise necessarily to remove the giants, but what he does do is he says, hey, I'm going to help you to overcome your giants. So what we're going to look at is three giants that try to steal our dreams. And then what we're going to do is look at two practical keys that God gives us to help us overcome those giants. So let's go ahead. The first giant that we're going to look at today is the giant of discouragement. The giant of discouragement. So let's go ahead and jump back into the story. First Samuel chapter 17, verses 8 through 11. And let's see how Goliath, this giant, begins to put discouragement on the Israelite army. So it says, Goliath, he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, this nine-foot giant, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? So choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, then we'll become your subjects. But if I overcome him and I kill him, you'll become subjects and you will serve us. And the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing this, the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So I want you, once again, I want you to picture what's going on here. There's this giant of a man who's calling out the whole army of Israel. And he said, look, let's, I'll make a deal with you. Instead of all of our armies fighting, I'm going to come out and you send your best warrior and we'll fight. And whoever wins, wins the war. Well, who, guess what? None of the Israelites want to step out there. None of them want to fight this man. I don't know about you. I wouldn't want to go fight a nine-foot giant. And so as a result, the whole army of Israel is frozen in fear. They're terrified. They're dismayed. One version of the Bible, I love the way they, they word it. It says, they were so frightened of Goliath, they couldn't do a thing. Wow, that's scary. That's where this giant of discouragement began to grip the whole nation of Israel. So let's check out just a few verses later in verses 16 and then verses 23 and 24 on why the Israelite army was so discouraged. It says, for 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and every evening and took his stand. Verses 23, at this point, David's on the scene. And it says, as he was talking with them, talking about David, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, he stepped out from his lines and he shouted his usual defiance and Daniel heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Man, this guy was relentless. Every day, morning and night, for 40 days in a row, he would step out there and he would defy the armies, meaning this, he would scream, he would intimidate them. And what happens is, man, they kept hearing this over and over and over. And they begin to get discouraged. They begin to think, we'll, we'll never defeat this guy. Well, how we can't overcome this guy. This guy's going to beat us. And you know what? Sometimes we find ourselves in various situations like that. Have you ever been there before? Have you been in a situation where, where the voices, the discouragement that you hear, it's just this over and over again, and it begins to weigh on you, and you begin to get discouraged. Why? Because you're listening to the wrong voice. So what voices are you listening to? Are you listening to the voices of the giant? Or are you in your lives, are you listening to the voice of God in your life? What happens is if you listen to these voices long enough, the, the negative attitudes 
the ones of fear, the voices of anxiety, you begin to allow those voices to permeate your mind and your heart, man, you're going to get discouraged. That's, that stuff's contagious. You hang around with the wrong people who are speaking that, you'll, you're going to pick it up. You know, I've, if you've got kids in here, you know all about things being contagious, right? I've got four kids, nine, eight, five, and my youngest is almost three. And so I know when one of my kids comes home with a snotty nose, it's about to spread, right? That, that one is about to turn into four pretty quickly, probably. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's kind of community property in my house. Look, it's a cup of juice. I don't know if it's mine. I'll drink it, right? You know, my youngest, she thinks just we have a, we have a drawer of toothbrushes. Pick one, whatever one, you know, fits your need at this time, right? We're working on her, okay? We're, we're working on. So germs spread, but you know what's more contagious than any germs that my kid or your kid could bring home from school? It's these attitudes. It's these attitudes of anxiety. It's these attitudes of fear. And it turns into discouragement to where when we look at it, it's this giant that we never think that we can overcome. So what do you need? You need a fresh voice. You need a fresh perspective. You need to be able to turn in your discouragement and pick up encouragement. How do you do that? Well, it reminds me of a great couple that we have in our church, RJ and Melissa, who actually pretty recently received some pretty discouraging news. She'd, she'd been with a job, a company for a while, and, and was actually pretty successful with them. But her company had merged with another company a while ago, and they decided as a result to close down the division that she worked in. Some of you guys have maybe been in situations like this before. So she lost her job. And if you've ever been in that position, you, you know what comes with that. Man, it's the, it's the uncertainty of what's going to happen next? It's the fear. What am I going to do with my finances? It's, it's the stress. It's all those things that come with that. And you begin to hear those voices and it can become pretty overwhelming and discouraging. But I love the way that RJ and Melissa responded to this potentially discouraging situation. What they did was they made sure they tuned into the right voices and not the wrong voices. They began to go to God in prayer and God, God tell us, God show us. They went to the, the people in their small group that God had connected them with. And those group of people, people began to pray for them. And what, although their circumstances haven't changed yet, they've given up discouragement and they picked up encouragement. And how did that happen? Because of the voices that they were listening to. So once again, I ask you, what voices are you listening to? Are you listening to the giants that are trying to discourage you, tear you down and keep you from achieving God's dreams for your life? Or are you listening to God's voice, voices of encouragement, voices that say, you can do it. You can make it. Keep pressing forward. We've got to be careful of the voices that we listen to. So first giant that we look at is the giant of discouragement. The second giant we're going to look at today is the giant of disapproval. And man, this was a big deal for David. And actually for a lot of us in the room today, this is, might be a big deal for us as well. Because what happens is we're going to have to chase after, go after our dreams as some people, some of them who are actually very close to us, begin to disapprove and speak negative negativity towards us. It's that giant of disapproval. David actually had to deal with his own brothers, questioning his motives and disapproving of him going after this giant. So once again, let's pick up the story. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 28 through 29. And I want you to notice the conversation between David and one of his older brothers. And I want you to see if you can recognize yourself in the story. So it says, David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard him talking with the soldiers. Eliab was angry at him and said, what are you doing here anyway? Who's taking care of that flock of sheep out in the desert? You spoiled little brat. 
It says it in the Bible. I can, re- I can say it, okay? All right, you came here just to watch the fighting, didn't you? So pretty much, dude, you just showed up to watch a show. You're little. You're a teenager. What are you doing? And then poor David, he says, now what have I done? David answered, can I even ask a question? So right out the bat, David's old brother, older brother begins to attack him. Do any of you guys relate to this conversation? Maybe it's not an older brother necessarily. Maybe, maybe it is. But it's somebody who's close to you speaking disapproval over what you're going after, the dream that God has placed in your life. You know what that's called? It's called insecurity. It's called insecurity because those people that are close to you, and maybe they don't even have the wrong motives, but what comes out is a disapproving words that are being spoken over you. And it's because they can't even imagine you accomplishing something they've never even dreamed of. But remember this, they don't know you like God knows you. God knows you. God placed a dream inside of you. And so you have to go after that dream, grab a hold of that dream, trust that God is going to fulfill that dream for your life. And you've got to begin to put off that disapproving giant in your life. You know, as we were preparing for this message, I thought, man, how can we illustrate this? How can we bring this point, this idea of the giant of disapproval, really bring it to life? And uh, some of you guys may have seen the movie called The Pursuit of Happiness. And there was a clip in there that, that, that I remembered. And so I want you guys to check out this clip from the movie Pursuit of Happiness. And I want you to see how sometimes that giant of disapproval can very powerfully step into our world. Y'all check this out. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. You know, uh, you'll probably be about as good as I was. That's kind of the way it works, you know, and I, I, I was below average. You know, so, whoa. So you'll probably ultimately rank somewhere around there, you know, so I really, uh, you'll excel at a lot of things, just not this. I don't want you out here shooting this ball around all day and night, all right? All right. Okay. Hey. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Not even me. All right? All right. You got a dream, you got to protect it. People can't do something themselves. They want to tell you you can't do it. You want something, go get it. Period. Can you relate? Sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's the people, once again, and maybe their motives aren't bad, but sometimes it's the people we're closest with. Or maybe it's somebody that you really looked up to, a parent, a coach, a a boss, maybe an older friend that you look to. And they spoke those words of disapprovement over what you were chasing. And guess what? It can be pretty devastating, can it? It reminds me of the story of Pastor Rick Warren, who you guys know as he's written the transformed devotional that we're all going through together. 
He's also the author of the all-time best-selling book besides the Bible called The Purpose-Driven Life. Pretty, pretty impactful life that he's had so far. Well, when he was young and in seminary, he was at a school in Texas, and he really felt that God had given him a dream. That God had said, Rick, I want you to go to Southern California to a city that you've never been to and start a church with no support, no members, no building, and don't worry about the fact that you've never been a senior pastor. I want you to go. So man, he got all fired up and he called one of the, the, the experts on starting churches and said, hey, I need your help. God's given me a dream. I'm like, okay, well, what's, what's God told you? Well, he said, God said, God told me I'm supposed to go to Southern California, leave Texas after I graduate, go to Southern California and start a church there in a city I've never been to without a church building, no church members, no financial support. Oh, and I've never been a senior pastor. What do you think? Yeah, what do you think that expert said? He said, Rick, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. If you do that, nobody will ever hear from you again. Wow. Talking about dead wrong. Well, actually, about 20 years later, this so-called expert came back to Rick Warren after several millions of copies of his books had been sold and spread all across the world. And he said, Rick, I was wrong. You think? I was dead, dead wrong. You know what? If Rick Warren would not have listened to God's voice and listened to the disapproving voice and said, who knows what would have happened? I know myself, many of you guys in here today, and literally millions of people all across the world have been impacted by God because God used Rick Warren to speak out, not just with the church that he started, but as he's authored so many books and really modeled how to lead. Why? Because he did, I'm going to listen to the right voices. I'm not going to allow the disapproving voices to come into my life and kill the dream that God has placed inside of me. So, so far, we looked at discouragement and we've looked at disapproval. And what happens is if you allow those giants to sneak into your life and really get inside of you and begin to grow and fester, they'll turn into our third giant. And it's the giant of doubt. The giant of doubt. Now, doubt has yourself asking questions like this. Am I really capable of doing this? Can God use me? Do I have what it takes? How about this one? Am I good enough? Do you know what I've done in the past? That's the voices that the giant of doubt wants to whisper to you. So once again, I want to look at David, and we're going to see how he was confronted with this giant and how he overcame this giant of doubt. So in preparation to go fight Goliath, David goes to see King Saul. King Saul, not only the king of the Israelite army at that time, but he's also kind of the resident warfare expert. He's the greatest warrior that the Israelite army have, yet he's standing back with everybody else, scared to death to go after Goliath. So let's check out 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 32 and 33 to see how this conversation between this 15-year-old and the king goes. So said David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine because your servant, I'm going to go out and I'll fight him. So Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man and he's been a warrior from his youth. So King Saul, this so quote unquote so-called expert, he begins to doubt and mock David's ability. But let's just be honest, okay? If you're in that situation and a 15-year-old kid comes up to you and says, hey, all your problems, I got, I'm going to take care, or care of this. I'm going to slay your giants. You got business problems, I've got the answer. You've got physical problems, I can bring healing to you. Right? You've got oh, relationship issues, listen to my advice. Right? Well, you're probably going to respond probably in a fairly similar way to what King Saul did. 
You're going to look at that teenager and say, dude, get out of here. You don't have what it takes. You're not going to be able to fix my problems. And that's what King Saul did to David. And that's where this giant of doubt began to try to creep in and get David off course to where he was not able to go and conquer the giant and achieve the dream that God had placed inside of them. Any of you guys ever been there? Where that giant of doubt began to creep into you, get you off track, get you disillusioned, get you where you're not going after what you really believe at some point in your life that God had called you to do and who he had called you to become? I know I've been there. I remember when I was... When I was 14 years old, I was at a church camp right outside of Alexandria, Louisiana. I remember it was like yesterday because, man, it was such an impactful moment in my life. It was a Thursday night. I was standing on this like kind of pinkish carpet. I don't know why they had pink carpet, but it stuck out in my memory. All right. And I'm standing there and I remember God spoke this to me. He said, Danny, I want you to be a pastor. I said, wow. Okay. At first, man, I was like, man, that's cool. And, and I, all right, God, here we go. And I even began to, man, some of the decisions I began to make, because that's where I really felt God was leading me. So God had placed a dream in my heart, but all of a sudden that giant of doubt began to sneak in. Because you got to understand, growing up as a kid, I was extremely shy. And I, I don't just mean kind of like a quiet kid. I mean, to the point of being timid and even fearful to talk to people. That can kind of be difficult if you're a pastor, right? And that, that can kind of hurt your ability to, to help people. And honestly, it wasn't even the, like the public speaking thing that freaked me out. This is not that, wasn't that big of a deal to me because I was up here and I felt people were out there and they couldn't get me. And uh, it was the one-to-one -one conversations. It was the, kind of the talking to people as they're coming in and leaving church. It was, it was counseling sessions. It was, it was meetings. It was, it was lunches and one-to-one -one coffees. It was running a small group. Those were the things that really freaked me out. And so I allowed the giant of doubt begin to come in. And this is the type of things that that giant of doubt used to tell me. Danny, you're too shy. You're never going to be successful at being a pastor. Danny, if you're too scared to talk to people, how are you going to lead people? And the doubt began to, began to speak to me. And I began to listen to those lives, even to the point, even to the point where I kind of adjusted what I was studying in college because I thought, well, in case I don't, this doesn't really work out. Like God's dream doesn't work out for me, right? Like maybe God doesn't know what he's doing. Maybe I need a plan B for my life. And as, as that happened, I began to allow the giant of doubt to begin to cloud who I was going to become and what God wanted me to do for him. And that's what happens when doubt begins to creep into our life. And it's something that we all have to face. Giant of doubt, the giant of discouragement, the giant of disapproval. What giants are you facing today that are potentially keeping you from becoming everything that God has called you to be. Well, now we're going to look at two practical keys on how to overcome the giants in our life. And the first one is this. We've got to learn to depend on God. That's right. It's simple. We've got to learn to depend on God. Now I want to look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 36 now, and I want to see how David showed his dependence on God and in so defeated his giants. Let's check this out. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 36 says, Your servant, David's talking about himself, he said, Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. So this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he's defied the armies of the living God. And then verse 37, it says, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will also rescue me from this hand of this Philistine. So what David is saying is this, God's done it then and God can 
do it again. Look, I, I might be a scrawny teenager, but when a bear tried to attack me, I killed it. When a lion tried to attack me, I killed it. Not in my strength, in God's strength. And so if there's a big old nine foot giant and God wants them dead, I'll be the guy that takes them out. Because if God did it then, God can do it again. And that's what God is saying to us today. If God did it then, then God can do it again. Some of you guys may be sitting here going, Danny, you don't understand what I'm walking through right now. And look, as a pastor, I really count it a privilege to be able to walk with people through difficult, challenging times. The challenges are real. Man, the pain that people could come to us before, it's real. But let me say this. As you learn to depend, to rely on God, God is real. And God will really get you through. Whatever quote-unquote hopeless situation that you're in, there's hope if you begin to depend on God. Because remember, if God did it again, God did it then, God can do it again. If God did it then, he can do it again. You know, about 15 months ago, my, my dad passed away. And honestly, that was the first really challenging thing that I had to face. I've had bumps and bruises along the way, like most people. But that was the first time that I really felt out of control. Leading up to my dad's death, he, he battling cancer, I couldn't fix it. I'm used to fixing things. That's kind of what I do. I like to fix things, right? And I couldn't fix it. And then my dad passed away. And all of a sudden, what was an external circumstance I couldn't fix, then it became an internal thing that I couldn't fix. This was not something I could just wake up the next day and say, all right, I'm just going to push through this, figure it out, put it beside me, and just keep moving forward. I felt out of control. And it was, I've really learned, like I've never had to do before, to really depend on God. I started doing something a couple years ago. I started journaling. Now, for some of you guys, that may sound soft and kind of weak, but I challenge you to do it. There's manly stuff in here. Because <laughs> what's in here is what God talks to me about. And what's in here is as I was walking through that difficult time and I would spend time praying and reading my Bible, that God would talk to me. And I would write that down. Maybe it was a verse. Maybe it was something that God spoke to me and I would, I would, I would write it down. And I would write what it meant to me. And just, just earlier today, I was sitting in the back, back room back here, just reading over. It's so cool. Man, that verse, gosh, I remember when God's, man, I remember when I needed that. I remember when I was facing that. I remember when the lies, I remember when the giants were coming against me. And reading this, I don't know whatever, what other things I'm going to have to face in life, but I can look back at what God's done in my life and I can stand on this and know, hey, if God did it then, and guess what? God can do it again if I depend on God. I'm going to address a, a group of people that you're here. You're probably saying, well, God's never did it. He never did it then for me. I've never had that then yet in my life. Well, he did it for me. You can use my then if you want. There, there, there's other people in this room. Maybe you're in a small group with some people that they, they had their then. Go to the Bible. What does God's word say? Man, there's stories. That Bible's chock full of stories who people went through challenging times, difficult times, where they had to depend on God. Whatever situation you're in, trust me, if you depend on God, he'll bring hope. Because if God did it then, then God can do it again. And David understood that. David understood, yeah, it's on God, depending on God. David understood, I killed a bear and a lion. If God wants me to kill that giant, I can kill that giant. So the first thing we have to do in order to overcome giants is we've got to learn to depend on God. Now, the second key to defeating our giants is this. We've got to live others-focused. That's how David lived. It wasn't all about him. 
David didn't live totally focused on himself. He lived focused on others. That's what we see in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 46 through 47. And in these verses, I love these verses. It's so cool because we're reading about this 15-year-old scrawny kid who was running after a nine-foot giant. Now, I don't know about you guys. He's running after. Everybody else is running the other way. Let's read what he says as he runs after the giant. He says, this day, the Lord will deliver you. Talking about, I mean, he's yelling at Goliath. This, this is so cool. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. Wow. Isn't that so cool? As we look at David charging this giant, yelling at him, saying, God's about to give you over to us. What we have to realize is that wasn't all about David. Do you realize that? David didn't do that so he could gain the fame and fortune that was going to come with him getting that victory. He did that because God spoke to him and said, I'm going to use you, a 15-year-old kid, to go out and defeat that giant. Why? It's for the whole nation of Israel. It's not for you. David. And our dreams have to be others focused. If our dreams are self-focused, they're always going to fall short. But if our dreams are focused on others, they're always going to come alive. You know, Jesus is another great example of this. John chapter 10, verse 10, where he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus give himself? Why did Jesus die on the cross for you, for me, for your family, for your friends, for the people you work with? It wasn't for him. His dream was others focused. And we've got to live the same way. Others focused. Where that dream that God's placed inside of you, when it comes alive, all you see is how's that going to impact other people? And when that happens, you're going to watch your dreams come alive because they're God-given. They're God-glorifying and they're to show God's love to others. So how will God's dream for your life impact others? You know, as I ask that question, I think about the literally hundreds and hundreds of small group leaders who have stepped out, some scared to death, but they went for it and led a group during the Transform series. And as that dream that God placed inside of them, as they stepped out and had the courage to go for it, We've watched as nearly 6,000 people have been connected, discipled, and are being transformed to our small groups. Amazing. So what I want to do is, this is our last week of the Transform series, I just want to take a little time, be others focused, and to celebrate what God has done through many of you guys and many of y'all's lives through our church over the last seven weeks. So we've got a video that we put together to see a bunch of things that have happened during this series. So y'all check this out.
where I'd give it up for God, for the lives that have been changed. And guess what? This is the cool thing. This isn't the end. It's the end of the Transform series. But for many of you guys, this isn't the finish line. This is the starting point for what God wants to continue to do in your lives. For some of you guys who stepped out to lead a small group, this isn't the finish line, but it's the starting point of how God is going to use you, dream through you so that others can be impacted. And as a church, we're going to continue to be others focused. We're going to continue to help fan the flame and to help the dream that God has placed inside of you come alive so that others can be impacted. We're going to stay others focused in our small groups continuing to push forward. With our new series coming up starting next week, Pastor Steve kicking off our I Am series leading up to Easter. We're going to continue to together take our next steps to be transformed and continue to grow in our relationship with God. So we talked about the giant of disapproval, the giant of discouragement, the giant of doubt. We talked about how to be depending on God and to be others focused and we overcome those giants as we wrap our series today. So I just want to have an opportunity. I want to ask that you guys would stand. So everybody could just go ahead and stand. As we wrap up the seven-week series of transformation, I just want to be able to have an opportunity to pray over you guys that what God has started, this is only the beginning. And also our prayer team is going to start making their way forward. So after I, after I pray, you guys, if you guys need some prayer for some other things in your life, please come forward. Our prayer team will be here for you. So let me pray for you guys as we wrap up our series today. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for what you've done in our lives. God, for what you've done through our lives. God, today that you showed us about giants that we know we're going to face, but you also promised us that we're more than overcomers through you because you love us. God, that you are teaching us to depend on you. You are teaching us to be others focused. And as a result, God, we get to overcome the giants, God, that try to cloud us and keep us from being and everything and being who you've called us to be. So Father, I ask that you would bless. God, let your favor be upon every person in this room as they go this week, that you are with them and that they are confident because of that. So Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.